If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. He or she is the best football expert on the planet. I'm just playing for pride now. And my pride's gone. We're very passionate people here. Oh, well. We're ready to come for the W, yeah? You, these girls will smoke you, man. Yeah. Hi everyone and welcome to the Mirror Gaming Walkthrough, the weekly news show full of juicy gossip and all of the week's best gaming news. I'm Aaron Potter, a gaming content creator right here at Mirror Gaming and we've got lots to talk uh, to you about today including a potential Starfield release date which is obviously one of Xbox's biggest games this year, looking forward to that. Could we see Call of Duty on Nintendo Switch? Some documents would seem to suggest so. And uh, we'll also be celebrating uh, PlayStation VR 2's release day today, because obviously it just came out today for us worldwide, as well as here in the UK. And Jasmine's got her thoughts on that. But joining me this evening on the podcast, I'm delighted to say, because obviously I'm not Nathan Bliss. There's only one Nathan Bliss. It is gaming editor. You've guessed it. Nathan Bliss, how you doing? I'm very good, Aaron. Thank you very much for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, thank you very much. Well, thank you for temporarily handing over the host chair. I'm, I'm, you know, flying by the seat of my pants here, but we're going to have some fun today. And then <laughs> I've already briefly mentioned, but returning to the podcast after too too much time away, it is the one and only uh, Jasmine Manan. How are you doing, Jasmine? Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. I'm doing well today. Happy to be here. Happy to share my spicy opinions as always. Well, the spicier the opinion, the better. And, you know, there's a lot of opinions to get into today. So starting off first, and obviously we are streaming live on Facebook, TikTok, and uh, YouTube as well. So if you've got a comment, then uh, feel free to leave it. Feel free to leave it and we'll read it out on the show. I can already see um, insider specialist Scott McRae is being cheeky in the YouTube chat. So join, join him there if you can do. And we'll, we'll read out all the appropriate comments uh, on the show um, related Ouch. to topics ideally. <laughs> he's actually being very kind bless him but um yeah we don't allow that here so anyway let's dive straight into uh this week's roundup of gaming news starting off with a potential starfield release date so earlier this week uh we received word from a twitter user that on the gog galaxy app gog obviously being uh cd project red's online uh, gaming storefront that starfield was briefly listed there i think it's available for for pre-order or you can add it to your wish list but very briefly um it was listed uh the launch date as june 29th 2023 and obviously we already know that starfield is set to come later on uh, at least this summer i believe xbox was quoting the first half of 2023 and this is the first time we've seen uh, a particularly, you know, legitimate looking date. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to get everybody's thoughts as to what they basically let us know your excitement levels about Starfield. And then, you know, how legitimate is this date looking? Nathan, let's go to you first. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited about Starfield. As you know, I think we've discussed this on the walkthrough uh, many a time. Um, I've got really high hopes for it um, in terms of the genre of game it is, but also how they're kind of 
uh, marketing it as well in terms of that open world exploration with loads of NPCs to contend with and things. It's going to be really good. Um, well, I hope it's going to be really good anyway. Um, for the release date, obviously, they, they said that it's the first half of the year. They're cutting it extremely close, and then they're technically not lying when they say that, if that is the release date. But it's like two days before the end of, of, the, of, the, uh, of uh, the first half of the year. So um, maybe it's right. I mean, there's, there's some speculations, and there's been speculation for, for ages about the release date, and they've always been quite coy on it. Um, but it seems very specific to me. To, to just put a release date on there and just, you know, as a placeholder. If it was a placeholder, surely it would have been like July 1st, which would signal the the very end of, of the first half of the year or something around that. So um, it seems quite specific to me uh, and it seems about right. And to be honest, if it was June, I think that gives uh, Bethesda enough time to, to make sure the game's in, in a decent state. So I know, Aaron, you've got some thoughts about potentially the game being a bit of a buggy mess if it was to release a bit early and and that's what i'm scared of as well so i think june's a a nice release date you know getting into summer um there'll be lots of excitement around it and um it'll give give me a chance to to stay inside and play the game instead of going out and getting all that pesky sun on my skin why would you want to do that yeah why would you want to do that when it's just far too easy to stay in and play video games especially as you say a game as as big as starfield um i know jasmine that you're not the biggest on story driven games but obviously thousand planets to explore lots of characters to be and relationships to build number one does starfield do anything for you are you excited to play it and how legitimate do you think the june 29th release date listing could be I am, despite not being into story games, actually really excited for Starfield just because um, I feel like it fills that sort of like void that No Man's Sky sort of left behind because it wasn't really what loads of people were expecting, you know? So I'm really hoping that Starfield does sort of do that for me. Um, I think the release date, I was going to say the same thing as Nathan, that, you know, they've said the first half of the year and they're cutting it so close um but if it is the confirmed release date already like on their end why would they not be sharing that with the audience who are sort of like desperate to know when it's coming out and i know that it's probably because they want to do like a big reveal and stuff but it just for me doesn't make sense why they wouldn't try and sort of reveal that as soon as they were aware because people are already really disappointed about like pushbacks and stuff like that so i'm not too sure about that one um I don't know there's always there's always a chance that things could be like fake or photoshopped or even just this could be Xbox's way of like drumming up some excitement again you know so I never want to say whether I'm sure or not because I don't like being wrong but um <laughs> well yeah, I mean the if you if you think of like the pressure that's on this game um this is the first new intellectual property developed by Bethesda in over 25 years it's going to be one of the first first party xbox games to be released for a while so that there's there's huge pressure on this game and i think they're gonna they're gonna keep waiting until this game is fully ready in my opinion for it to go out because if if it goes out and it's a disappointment that's going to be a big blow for for microsoft and xbox so i think they're, they're doing the right thing by leaving it as late as possible um and June seems like a decent... I mean, I don't know much about game development. I don't really know how, how long things take, but it seems like a decent amount of time for them to kind of... If it's if it's in a state 
now where you know they could release it but they're not sure it will just give them a, a few extra months to kind of polish it out and make sure it's the best game it can be um but you liked i know we've talked about this before with no man's sky and not can't not kind of get itching that um not scratching that itch if you like of the open world space games but you like astroneer which has got like zero zero story running through it and you can't do anything in it other than like that's why she move some it. blocks around and stuff yeah but... but that's i think like sandbox games are so fun like um obviously not by yourself like you do have like some level of fun in sandbox games on your own but there's yeah. like a sort of barrier that you reach but when you're playing with people sandbox games are so fun just mm. to be able to like make i don't even know what we were making like we just put together any bit of like equipment that we'd find and just glue it all together and then just try and make something like it was so fun Mm. um like i feel like it's a whole different category of game though even though it's like that open world <laughs> space game it's like really different to what no man's sky was was meant to be yeah but i started playing it when no man's sky kind of came out and ended up not being like what was promised because i thought okay maybe it can sort of like fulfill that void but obviously once i started playing it, i was like no astroneer it's just it's a different game it's not gonna really do it for me yeah, yeah. no man's sky was a bit it was like it was kind of like Astroneer in terms of how you could build different, um, you could build like your own like base and things and you could like mm-hmm. develop, like build your own cars and all that kind of stuff. And I didn't enjoy that. I wanted like a proper story mode running through it. And the fact that, that, that mm-hmm. Bethesda are calling Starfield Skyrim in space to me, mm-hmm. that, that just sounds extraordinary. Uh, it, it could be. It definitely holds a lot of promise, doesn't it? But then when you say the phrase Skyrim in space, I just think about how buggy Skyrim was at launch, like famously, (laughs) especially on the PS3. If you were a lowly PS3 player like me, like all the DLC was delayed, the frame rate was so choppy and you were lucky if like most of the quest lines just worked. But um, so fingers crossed that, you know, by keeping their cards close to their chest, Xbox and Bethesda are kind of, you know, playing it safe, not wanting to reveal too much information too soon. I think the last time we got our big blowout of gameplay was during the Summer Showcase event last year. And, it, and admittedly, the game was looking pretty good. Like, aside from some very dodgy and questionable NPC uh, face animations, you know, they showed off ship combat, a bit of space flight, um, exploration, and, and all this exciting stuff. But I think Troublemaker Scott has commented in the YouTube cha- uh, channel that it gives them enough time between that and Redfall, to be fair, talking about the Starfield release date. So if the GOG listing of June 29th ends up being true, then Scott is absolutely correct, I think, in that Redfall is confirmed to be releasing on straight into Xbox via Xbox Game Pass on May 2nd. And despite them being both Bethesda games, they're, they're very different games. Like one's a cooperative shooter, and then Bethesda are very at that Starfield for as open and explorative as it is. It's very much a single-player-only experience, which... Going back to what we're saying about No Man's Sky, like No Man's Sky has slowly become very cooperative and that sandbox and that make your own adventure, whereas Starfield um, is very, you know, Skyrim in nature and that you follow certain paths and stuff. So, yeah. Um, I imagine you guys are both going to be playing Starfield via Game Pass if it, when it does eventually release. I'm scared to admit that with you. <laughs> with you no, no. Game Pass is great value. If nothing else, Game Pass yeah. is great value. So don't feel ashamed. Yeah. yeah. Do, you well, have, it, do you have it, some like negative opinions towards Game Pass? That oh, no. I, I can barely remember. Yeah. But I'm going to, you know, the filter's <laughs> on firmly on this week. Um, so, Nathan, you're going to play it via Game Pass, yeah? Yeah, it's a it's a day one release, isn't it, on Game Pass? So, yeah, it'll be it'll be it'll be downloaded straight away. Yeah. Um, we, what, what have you got to lose, right? 
yeah exactly um it's it's great value um game pass as we know um and yeah it's uh it's it's an easy, easy option for me just to download it and get it get it on the go i suppose but uh yeah i mean jasmine weren't you listening last week no i wasn't i was unwell last week oh, what's yeah. happened what's the drama let me, let me break out my little violin <laughs> for jasmine's illness no i'm so confused basically, basically last week we got into this whole thing about you know is game pass good going to be good for the industry because xbox revealed that you know uh, people that subscribe to Game Pass quite obviously don't buy the game outright because why would they if they've got access via Game Pass? Yeah. So in trying to make their case to the CMA, they were trying to make themselves seem a little bit small. But for people that are interested in that, I would highly advise you to go and watch last week's walkthrough for mine and Nathan's at least uh, in-depth thoughts on that. And just um, to, to round off this story, I'm um, speaking more towards what Jasmine was saying about potentially learning more stuff. We do know, obviously, we had the Xbox developer direct back in January where we got more details on Redfall, uh, Forza Motorsport, Minecraft Legends. And that's obviously where they stealth dropped Hi-Fi Rush. But um, as part of that same post, head of Xbox Phil Spencer was very um, adamant that Starfield is such a big game that it's it's having its own showcase planned. And they haven't put a date on that yet. Um, they haven't put a date on the showcase as well as the game. But when they eventually do date the showcase, hopefully we'll watch it. And then at the end of that, we'll get a, a Starfield release date. And I, for one, firmly believe that June 29th is where it's going to be. Because that's just a couple of weeks after E3 as well. So it gives them time mm -hmm. to show it off, really hype people up. Like this is one of two big-ish games we've got coming out in the summer and to get people really excited. Yeah, absolutely. I can't wait for that showcase. I just want to see more of the worlds that they've developed and the work they've put into it. And I think I think the big the big thing about the game as well is that the combat needs to be right, um, and the the way the combat the combat mechanics work and things that I'm not expecting it to be like Call of Duty, for example, in terms of that refined combat experience. But I think it needs to be good enough that when you that that experience isn't isn't muddied um, when you when you do go and attack another settlement or whatever whatever will, will happen in the game so i think it's quite important that we see a bit more of that in terms of how it works and if there's a backpack system like we saw in no man's sky or how they're going to integrate that into the game and, and what you can actually do because there's been there's been very little detail so far from what i've seen about what you can do but there's been a lot of visual showing off of the game um and they've also talked a lot about uh loads of dialogue like i think double the amount of dialogue that's in skyrim yeah. Um, so that would be be interesting to see what just more of the game. Just give me more, please, Bethesda and Mogsoft. Um, just give me more. Yeah, because is a thousand planets not more enough for you, Nathan? Because that's apparently what we're what we're getting. Well, the game. No Man's Sky <laughs> had procedurally generated exactly. Uh, you could you could just go, but I think I think that did take a, something a bit away from No Man's Sky in that there would there were sometimes a bit too random the planets that you could visit and some like just didn't make sense i know that sounds silly when you talk about space and the stuff in space that doesn't make sense right but i think with starfield i think they've got the opportunity to create real communities around these planets and make them if they're making a thousand are only a thousand if they're making a thousand actual planets with their own identities i think that's just a great a, a great opportunity for bethesda and for the whole community to to get stuck in and um rather than having like random planets that no one visits and stuff so um yeah does... uh, jasmine a thousand planets is that enough yeah, for you that's what i was just about to say is i feel like the approaches are different for a reason it's that obviously in no man's sky the whole point of the game was to explore rather than having like un... 
well, the focus of Starfield is obviously going to be the storyline of it, which means that they need to have these planets that have identities and have like, you know, you have different communities every time you go to somewhere different. So it feels like a whole different environment. Whereas in No Man's Sky, it was completely random. That was, that's like the point of each of those games. So I think that's why even when Starfield does come out, it's going to be so hard to compare them. Because again, the same way, like I was saying with Astroneer and No Man's Sky, even though it's the same basis of being in space and you kind of think of that same feeling, it's not going to be the same at all. They're going to feel like two completely different games is what I think is going to end up happening. What I hope is going to end up happening. I hope that Starfield doesn't come out and end up being a buggy mess and a nightmare that people can't play, <laughs> I w- hopefully. I, I wouldn't hold your breath. That's all I'm saying, because we all remember how Fallout 76 no. went. Even, the, even no. though that game wasn't developed by Bethesda proper. And um, let's not forget, like this game was already um, delayed by quite some way, because... If I remember rightly, um, Starfield was originally scheduled to release last year on November 11th, echoing the yeah. sort of 11-11-11 that they once did with Skyrim. Um, and then Scott again brings up a good point in the YouTube chat. Bethesda Melee... Let me try that one again, shall we? Bethesda Melee Combat has been an absolute dirt for years. This is this is according to Scott, everyone, not me. So hopefully <laughs> they have improved that. And yeah, there was, a, there was a short snippet in that 15 minutes of gameplay footage they showed during the last summer showcase where... I think it was first-person gunplay combat. And obviously, because Bethesda games want to be... I get this impression that they want to be everything to all people. You've got the option to play first-person, third-person. And as a result of that, you're never going to get gameplay to be as tight as, say, a Call of Duty, which obviously we're going to be talking a little about a little bit about later. Um, yeah, it's just the sheer scale of the game. I think they're hoping to make up, uh, make up for that with that. So, yeah, yeah I think... I mean, well, as long yeah, as sure. sorry, sorry, um, Aaron, but as as long as I think Fallout Four for me, the the I know that the combat wasn't the the absolute most important thing in that game. It was about the storyline, which is what Jasmine talks about. As long as it's not worse than Fallout Four, it's fine. As long as it, if it's at Fallout Four levels, I'm okay with that. As as long as it's around that level, I'm okay. I'm not. What? I'm like you said. I'm not expecting you know the, to be like a call of duty refined experience with with all different weapons and and all that kind of stuff but as long as it's fallout 4-esque i'll be happy with that what a ringing ringing endorsement as long as it's no worse than fallout 4 starfield then you've got nathan's money well you've not even got his money because he's playing it on game pass anyway it's game pass download (laughs) is that is that controversial for for me to have game pass for games or in my opinion no I no, use Game Pass for everything, and I didn't know it was a point of controversy, to be honest with you. Um, and I've never heard anyone complain about it before, which is why I was so confused as to why Aaron has such strong opinions about it. So I don't. I think Aaron's trying to create the controversy here <laughs> the con- on the walkthrough. This, I think that's his intention. This is ground zero, people, where the Game Pass controversy begins. Yeah, Phil Spencer's going to be, you know, ringing me up and complaining. But um, no... F- you know, just so I can hold my hands up, Atomic Heart came to uh, Game Pass this week. It's already downloaded on my Xbox. Amazing value, got to use it. And especially for a game like Starfield, like, can you imagine what the num- the download numbers it's going to do when it releases later on this June? We're probably going to see all kinds of headlines in terms of Starfield tops the charts. It's the most fastest downloaded game ever because as, as great as PlayStation exclusives have been uh, recently with the likes of God of War Horizon and stuff, I feel like they haven't really got a blockbuster of this size and scale. You know, it's usually very focused, um, focused titles. Yeah. And but with yet- Sony as well, they have to rely, 
the developers of those games have to rely on the sales of those games to get paid or if you like um to get compensated um for that but with the game pass with games being when they go on game pass obviously the, the devs are are that's a lucrative thing for the devs to be on that platform because they're they're offered that security financially that uh that microsoft can provide that so um yeah I think Game Pass uh, is at the moment is a good value for consumers and it and it helps long term with devs um, and for for smaller devs as well that are on Game Pass it helps with the security of their business as well. But um, yeah, we'll have to see how Starfield does obviously on Game Pass day one. I imagine Starfield will be doing gangbusters for both Xbox and Bethesda and they'll both be very happy indeed. But sticking with Xbox, it seems like this is the platform that can't stay out of the news uh, from week to week. There's always big things happening within the world of Xbox, most notably because of this Activision Blizzard deal, which obviously they put in for a $69 billion deal, which they're still trying to pass through UK regulators, including the CMA. And that flares up in this week's news in the form that Xbox commits to a decade of Call of Duty on Nintendo Switch. So this came to light earlier this week when Microsoft President Brad Smith announced that Nintendo Switch and any subsequent Nintendo platforms will be getting Call of Duty series as part of a binding 10-year contract. The documents were signed following the initial promise from head of Xbox, Phil Spencer, in December of last year. And then Smith took to Twitter to say, this is just part of our commitment to bring Xbox games and Activision titles like Call of Duty to more players on more platforms and obviously the call of duty on switch debate is something that keeps coming up every now and then because i think before the existence of the steam deck in particular the idea of taking such well-polished action-packed thrilling first-person shooters the kinds of which you can only really get in a call of duty game and being able to take that on the go i know when i speak for myself at least for me it was such an exciting prospect like even something like the original Modern Warfare trilogy, I would have picked that up day one if there was like a compilation. Obviously, Xbox is committing this and assign those documents to try and ward off the CMA and not create a monopoly and to try and pass this deal through. But my question for you guys is, what does Phil Spencer and what do Brad Smith mean by this? In what form can you get a Call of Duty game on the Nintendo Switch? And uh, Jasmine, let's go to you first, get your thoughts. Well, I think first of all, well, this is one of the first times we'll actually be able to have like portable Call of Duty, right? Aside from COD Mobile, which I feel like, in my opinion, is a different game altogether. Um, so I think, you know, since the DS, you haven't really had the opportunity to take COD with you anywhere. There hasn't really been that chance. So I think it is cool that it's coming to Nintendo Switch. But then the thing is about COD is it's a really like intensive game just from a hardware perspective COD is a really intensive game right and the Switch typically doesn't meet those demands for those really intensive games so I don't know if it's going to be like a bit of a watered down version if the graphics are going to be like a little bit worse <laughs> but I'm just a bit confused as to what that's actually going to look like and I know that's the question you're posing but I genuinely don't know I don't know what the game is going to look like and I I am always interested in hardware and stuff like that, but realistically, it's just not possible for the Switch to, to have the same graphics that COD has on, like, the Xbox or even on PC and stuff, so... Yeah, even when it comes see. to, like, storage file sizes, Call of Duty's mm-hmm. obviously notoriously eats up a lot of storage, so I'm trying to think, hmm, even with an SD card, you might struggle on the Nintendo Switch. Um, just have one Call of Duty game on there and nothing else, and then you're set for life. But, Nathan, what do you make of um, the prospect of a Call of Duty game in whatever form on Nintendo's handheld console? 
Yeah, I think what's interesting about about this is that they're being very vague about the actual contract that was signed and when when are they actually going to start doing this? Because if they do it, if they say, for example, this contract is signed and the guys at Nintendo are working with Activision already and working with Microsoft already to develop these these titles. As Jasmine said, there is no way that Call of Duty in its form now will go on Nintendo Switch and able to run at more than five frames per second. There's just no, there is just no way it will be unplayable. The only way I can see it is obviously Warzone Mobile launches this year in a couple of months. Um, Jasmine said that's a different game altogether. Yeah, it is, but it is having also you've got integration with Warzone Mobile, for example, has got. Um, uh, integration with Warzone 2 on other platforms. So you've, there's cost progression there. So, for example, if you play Warzone Mobile um, or Call of Duty Mobile or whatever it's going to be called, I think it's Warzone Mobile, um, You, if you play Warzone on mobile, your progress carries over to other platforms. So that would make sense to me that they'd release that version for the Switch because that's that's what that can handle at this given time. And then maybe it gives them a little bit more time for a Nintendo Switch 2 to come out with more storage, more power, and then they can develop a fully-fledged Call of Duty game because um, as uh, as Lewis Barton will know, um, who's the, the FIFA content creator for Mirror Gaming, the FIFA version, the, fi- the version of FIFA on the Switch is terrible. Awful, yeah. It is. Well, it's, it's a isn't rip-off. It, isn't it just like, a roster update? Yeah, like, that's I think what they it, do every year. It's been the same game for about four or five years. I'm not sure the exact amount of number of years, but it's basically the same game. And it's just literally a roster update and a kit update. And there's wow. no new features. And it's sold at a full price every year, which is. And if anyone's ever played FIFA on the Switch, I feel, you know, I'm sorry because <laughs> the, the experience yeah. is just horrendous. So the Legacy I think that's Edition. The case with a lot of Nintendo games, right? Like you find that they're just. Aside from first-party Nintendo games, a lot of games that release on Nintendo Switch after having been on PS5 or Xbox or PC, like they just end up having to be a watered-down version because the Switch just can't handle that level of like graphics or or whatever it may be. That it ends up having to be like a a crap version, a watered-down version, mm-hmm. like some type of version, like which you'd expect to see on mobile, not on another console altogether. So that yeah. I think what you're saying about Warzone, like a mobile version coming to Switch, I think that makes a lot of sense, especially yeah. considering they're already developing the mobile version now too. Like yeah. It's, yeah. it's probably so easy for them to just chuck it on the Switch. It's, it's such a shame because I remember during the days of the Nintendo Wii, um, when obviously the Wii was such, it was the best-selling console at the time, and even someone like EA couldn't ignore it. And I think there was a couple attempts there back during the like FIFA 09 days where... They would try and have parity across PS3, Nintendo Wii, and Xbox 360. But then I remember when EA started paying more attention, you used to get Wii exclusive stuff it, to the fact that I remember if you score a goal, you could shake the Wiimote and like you could like blast a horn. And it became like part of the, the fun in, in that way. And that's why I kind of think that if Activision and by de facto Xbox, should this deal go through, um, try to put Call of Duty on the Nintendo Switch. They're going to have to either do what you guys say and, and bring a version of Warzone Mobile or just create something totally from the ground up. Because there's no denying that the install base of Nintendo Switch players is is absolutely staggering. So like, you, you can't really ignore it. And we're seeing that now with EA's uh, poor attempts at FIFA. So yeah, it's, uh, the Nintendo Switch is too powerful. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I've just looked at uh, it, it is called uh, Call of Duty Warzone Mobile, uh, and it's been it's been released uh, this year. Um, but it's actually got some really good features that you wouldn't see on the PC or, or console versions. So, for example. The Verdansk map, which was so popular with Call of Duty Warzone players, is only available on Call of Duty Warzone Mobile. So, and it, it also supports up to 120 players in the battle royale mode. So, if you think about, it, it doesn't seem that watered down compared to the. I mean, it will be. I'm not. Before you shout at me in the comments, it will <laughs> be a watered down version. But it still feels like. It's almost like a no-brainer that they just port it onto Switch, uh, their mobile version onto Switch now. People who love Call of Duty might try it out on console just to play in Verdansk because that's what they—that's yeah. the kind of nostalgia feeling. That seems like it seems like a pretty mm-hmm. no-brainer thing. I mean, everyone loves a bit of nostalgia, don't they? Yeah. If they could just they want, drop into an old game. They need to lure players over with a fan favorite map, is what you're saying, Nathan? Exactly. Yeah. But I mean. I Breath of the Wild looked really good to me on the Switch, and I was really surprised considering the hardware. It actually looked pretty good, even when you plug it into an external display. That the Switch looks really good. Um, well, that game does anyway. Mm-hmm. But that game's also quite old now, and if you look at that's why I'm a little bit worried about Tears of the Kingdom. Will mm. it keep the same graphical quality of Breath of the Wild? Um, it that's looks exactly not... the same so far. So. Well, uh, that's the thing, isn't it? Is that the absolute limit of what this what this console can do? You'd probably argue yes. And in that case, how good is even Warzone Mobile going to look on a that's Switch? That's what I was going to say. I think that now the way that mobiles have come, like you can probably play more like graphically intensive games on your phone than you can even on your Nintendo Switch. Because Nintendo Ooh. Switch is old now. It's an old console. I like, believe you, yeah. It's it was released in <laughs> I wanna say two thousand sixteen, is that right? It's old. It's yeah. It's it's not like I feel like it's not gonna stack up the same as like a new phone. And this is the thing, right? People are always constantly upgrading their phones. A lot of the time people like just buy upgrades all the time get upgrades all the time on their contracts and whatever it's much easier to keep up to date with the technology of like a phone than it is with a nintendo switch i bought a nintendo switch at launch and then haven't bought like the new edition or the oled edition since because i haven't had a need to it's easier to keep your phone upgraded and more like necessary than it is to keep your nintendo switch upgraded upgraded with the latest tech so it means that nine times out of ten i think people's phones are going to be a bit more powerful than their nintendo switches which sounds a bit like insane to say but i just think that's like true yeah, yeah. I, I, sorry, sorry. I was, sorry. Well, I, I was just going to say because obviously, Jasmine, I know you play like a lot of Fortnite, and I was just going to mm-hmm. want to get your opinion. I know that's like a heavily stylized game, mm-hmm. but have you given that game a go on the Nintendo Switch? And is it at least playable? Or it's not playable, in my opinion. I think like when I have friends over, I'll normally be like, okay, I'm going to play Fortnite, like, and then I'll give them my Switch to play, and then I'll play on my PC or whatever, and. It is putting them at a disadvantage instantly. Yeah, it is it's <laughs> bad. It's like you can play but not me personally. I wouldn't. Even if I had no other option and I had to play Fortnite on my Switch, I was like in the deserted island and that's the only thing I have to do. I wouldn't play it. I'd go and walk around on the island and just not subject myself to it. It is yeah. really bad. Like nine times out of ten, like people's skins don't even load. Everyone's just like the default skin because they like, the Switch just can't handle the graphics of it. And like loads of assets don't load in, the frames are really like low. It's just you can't 
people that are good at Fortnite on the Nintendo Switch <laughs> are probably like pro level if they played on another platform. I'm just saying, like, yeah. if you're good on the Nintendo Switch, you're cracked. Yeah, <laughs> similar to how Nathan went head to head against a, a professional F1 driver uh, a couple of <laughs> having to put him at a disadvantage. I've got this image in my mind of playing Fortnite with a Fortnite pro, but them yeah. having to play on Nintendo Switch that would probably make for that's a great a that's a great a great video. And Someone uh, write that down quick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just while I, while I was looking, I don't mean to kind of spec shame, but I know Jasmine is also a spec um, lover, so we'll dive into the specs yeah. of the Nintendo Switch. Mm-hmm. And it was worse than I thought. I don't know what I was mm-hmm. expecting. It, but it's bad it's bad the cpu is a quad core arm cortex a53 or a57 depending on where you look that arm processor obviously is quad core uh, that that's quite low for phones now which is what Mm -hmm. jasmine said Mm -hmm. that cpu launched in 2012 yeah that's insane so over 10 years old then for that cpu The GPU is a NVIDIA GM, GM20B Maxwell-based GPU with two compute units. Um, and I don't really understand the specs that much, but it, it, it's it's not good. All the numbers are very low, <laughs> which normally, normally <laughs> yeah. tells the story. The me- it's got four, gig of rem- four gigs of DDDR4 memory yeah. that runs at a 1600 megahertz transfer speed. If you think about that, most phones nowadays, especially you can get like gaming phones now too, have yeah. way more RAM than that, like way more. Yeah. And even like a normal phone will have more RAM than that now, just so you could have like loads of apps open at the same time. And the Switch only runs four gigs of RAM. It's bad. Like, the Switch is old, and that's the thing. That's why the speculation of the Switch 2 has got me, like, so hyped, because I really want to see what they can actually do with, like, a new generation console. Because now that, like, it's so much easier to get, like, higher-end, like, frames and graphics and stuff, even with, like, older graphics card CPUs and stuff, you can still get, like, decent frames on a lot of, like, games. I want to yeah. see what they'll do. Just reading so, a bit more about the GPU as well. Sorry, to, I just I love jumping into the specs, but <laughs> the NVIDIA, um, what's it called? The GM20B Maxwell-based processor. The Maxwell architecture is the same one that you'll see in uh, graphics cards like the GTX 745, the GTX 750, the GTX uh, 750 Ti, uh, the 960. The, these are like graphics cards from 2014. And yeah, they're based on the same twenty-eight nanometer process, which sounds small, but we're running on—is it five nanometers at the moment, Jasmine? The five nanometer process in the forty-ninety, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, I I just don't know. So basically, because what we, it's a miracle that anything runs on the Nintendo yeah, Switch is what we've established is. in this let, conversation. Let's just let's just say, well, to all the developers out there who are making games the Nintendo Switch, well done. From, from yeah. getting the most out of, of this and warzone and call of duty is a game where fps every frame matters and if you're not if you're not even getting 60 30 makes it playable any lower than that uh, you're going to be at such a disadvantage um so, so i remember i remember when apex legends for the nintendo switch launched and i can't remember what possessed me to download it but i did and about 10 minutes in I'd had enough because it was chugging harder <laughs> than a train, obviously. Um, I, and I have tried Fortnite on there as well. But I think 
today, and correct me if I'm wrong, guys, because you play a lot more online games than I do, but there's always this sort of implication that when a game comes to one platform, it's instantly going to be playable with other platforms as well. So maybe if Activision does bring Call of Duty to the Nintendo Switch, then and and you have to lock it at 30 frames, could it be successful within the online realm if it just locks it to Nintendo players only? Because surely that's the only way you're not going to irk people and constantly get killed. But Warzone Mobile is cross cross platform, and they've already they've already said that um, across different platforms. So I don't know if they would lock it just for Switch players, because what would happen then is you would get no one playing it. Yeah, would there be mm. enough of a player base on the Nintendo Switch for them to just lock it to I that thought, platform? Well, then why are they bringing it to the Nintendo Switch in the first place? Well, I it's know obviously why. to attract <laughs> players, but it's I don't I still feel like there wouldn't be enough players. Yeah. Right. Just or is it me. is it just a big power play from Microsoft to get the Activision Blizzard deal through to say ding, look ding, we're ding, ding, ding. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was going for. Is it a yeah. big power play to say look we we we're, we're here to help gamers all around the world. That is our, <laughs> we're not here to make money. We just want to make gaming for everyone. Right. Yeah. That's Microsoft's stance at the moment. Aaron obviously doesn't believe that, but everything that they're saying as long with this deal, that's basically what they're saying. They're saying that we're on the side of gamers. They're talking directly to Nintendo gamers now, saying we're on your side. We want to bring more games to your platform. And by doing that, that's putting pressure on Activision Blizzard, on the regulators to push this deal through because Xbox looks like the good guy. But what they haven't said is how they've signed a 10-year deal. Where, when does that run to? Are they developing Call of Duty now? Are they doing it in a year? Are they waiting for a new console? None of that. It's very, it's very like, we've done this, but then there's like there's no actual substance behind this announcement, which which kind of, there's, there's, always, there's always something going on in the background. I'm just not sure what's happening. So you've hit the nail on the head, Nathan. All it is is showboating. And I know this because, obviously, we had a couple of weeks back when Xbox was trying to, you know, again, leaning into the pitch you said about, we're all about gamers. We want to bring more games to as many people as possible. If that was the case, why aren't you putting Starfield on PlayStation 5 for one? You know, I, you know, it seems that Xbox is talking throughout both sides of its mouth. And that's mainly where my, a lot of my issues uh, stem from. I, I don't like being lied to. Be, be honest with me. As a consumer, I don't think you should lie to your consumer. Um but it was a few weeks ago that I think Xbox said, oh, we're even going to put Call of, keep Call of Duty on Steam and we're willing to, very similar to what we've seen now with Nintendo, we're willing to sign um, an agreement with Valve. At which point Valve came out and said, well, we didn't need an agreement. You know, it's, we'll take you for your word, you know, like, hence why I think that by making this announcement and by boisterously like beating their chest, the announcement has been signed. Look at us, CMA. <laughs> All it is is showboating. But... Um, oh. Basically, if I did want to see Call of Duty come to the Nintendo Switch, I can't imagine, at least natively, it's anything other than a collection of previous campaigns from uh, older Call of Duty games. That's what like I thought Ops. it would be. Yeah. I didn't think they'd offer an online an online iteration of the game because people would be too angry about it. It wouldn't perform well enough for you to actually play competitively. And then... Like no one plays Warzone for fun, right? It's it's for competitive reasons. You're not gonna just play it for fun. So <laughs> you know, you can't play it competitively on the Nintendo Switch. Your your hardware's just not gonna be good enough. So I thought it'd be a re-release of old campaigns because it doesn't matter if your frames are like not that high with campaigns and stuff. It's just a story mode. Like people won't be as disappointed with that. But then also like no one's really gonna download it. It's the same as what you were saying, Aaron, about it being sort of like there for the sake of being there. It's people aren't really going to download the campaigns but at least then 
Blizzard Activision can say, you know, look, here it is. It's there. You can download yeah. it if you want. It's got three downloads in like five years, but you know, it's there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it just it just so happens that Microsoft Brad Smith is meeting with the EU regulators this week. Um, uh, coincidence, yeah. Which it seems like a huge coincidence. Um, but I mean, technically they could say like, okay, we're putting Modern Warfare 2 remastered on there from like 2009. You know, we're putting the original Black Ops on there. We're putting a bit of zombies on there. But, you know, that that would be fine. That would be feel a bit in, disingenuous to me if they turned around and, and did that because what they the way they've said it is that that Nintendo are going to kind of keep pace with keep pace with other platforms and their releases as well is that kind of what they're insinuating by saying that they're bringing Call of Duty to Nintendo, um, but they've said it in such a way that they'd probably get away with it if they did just bring remasters of old games. So. Obviously, their 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 marketing department is very clever. Um, yeah, as I mean, their, their legal team. As an unabashed campaign lover, like like I said at the beginning of this argument, like I would love that. And if they were just being honest about it in that way, then I'd you know appreciate it a bit more. Because what I will say about Activision is that unlike EA on the Nintendo Switch front, they they have been a publisher that recognizes um, the popularity of the Nintendo Switch, and you know, like Crash Bandicoot Four, like that. I did play a bit of that on the Nintendo Switch after coming from PlayStation 5. And you look at the 4K uh, textures that was in that game. Um, very bit, very clever bit of marketing spiel there. And um, and then you had the Tony Hawk uh, 1 and 2 remaster collection come to the Nintendo Switch. And both of those games were perfectly playable. So I think as long as they're aware of the Nintendo Switch's limits, which we've find out in this conversation are very limited, <laughs> um, we're probably in need of a Nintendo Switch 2. And noting once again, you know, Brad Smith does say, and any subsequent Nintendo platforms too. So he might know something that we don't, that isn't public yet, in fairness mm-hmm. to him. Um, but yeah, some very interesting yeah. things going on within the world of Call of Duty. Think of this from another perspective, right? Say they release Modern Warfare 2 Remastered, the 2009 version for the Switch now, and they release Warzone Mobile that runs okay on the Switch. When the Switch 2 comes out, if that's got decent specs to match not match, but get close to a Steam Deck, for example, and they were able to get Warzone 2 to run on the Nintendo Switch 2. Think about that as an opportunity. The amount of people that would play that handheld that that have already got already going to buy a Nintendo Switch 2 for other Nintendo titles, but then they're going to also be able to play Call of Duty as well on the go. A lot like that matches other platforms. That that's a tr- that's a that would be a, a tremendous thing for the industry to be able to have that capability. Um, so it does seem like you know that ten year deal. If the Nintendo Switch Two is coming out pretty soon, it seems like a decent deal to do uh, because you're just going to get so many more. I think about the amount of Nintendo Switches that that sell every month still, even now. There's so many out there that so many people own. It's just an absolute no-brainer. So many people are going to be playing Call of Duty no matter what version it is. I always think, though, with particularly the multiplayer angle of Call of Duty, like the prospect of playing it on the go is almost like you failed before you started because if you are playing it on the go, what sort of public Wi-Fi are you going to like? <laughs> even stand a chance you know, to be competitive online? The Avanti, well? Avanti Wi-Fi. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but that's why it makes sense on mobile, right? Because you'll have mobile data. Like mm. on the Switch, what you're not going to get a SIM card and stick it in your Switch, are you? Like, there's not really are. an option. 
Well, this is why, Jasmine, <laughs> you said at the beginning of this discussion that this might be the first time Call of Duty comes to a portable console. But I'll have you know that Call of Duty Black Ops Declassified for the PlayStation Vita was not a good game, but it did. Um, there was a <laughs> no, version I of the Vita. I mentioned yeah. on the DS before, you know, historically oh, it has true. been there on the PSP, on the DS and stuff. But as of right now, you're not going to go out and buy a PSP or a PS Vita just to play old COD games on. Yeah, like... I don't know what sort of person you would be if you were, but more power <laughs> to you. Yeah. Um, no, we have some sure. chats. We have Miffy saying, I think it's important to notice they said Call of Duty and not Warzone. So probably will be a bunch of old campaigns, I reckon, he says, which does make sense. They didn't clarify Warzone. So who knows? And Scott says, big fan of Fortnite on the Switch. It's a good feeling. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're stretching the definition of good there a little bit, Scott, as you've been wanting yeah. to do. And since we're diving into the YouTube chat, I have to give credit to Mirror Gaming FIFA expert Lewis Barton, who on the topic of um, fun shooters, he says, EA made a sick nerf and strike game for the Wii hit where the gun could be used as a blaster and remote should bring it back. And I, for one, am in agreement with him. Go weird with it. Go nuts. I, didn't, I didn't think I did, I'm sure he said that he doesn't play any games other than FIFA didn't he the other day to us on the yeah video he call. did he did say what's that. going on Lewis well he, he plays he... Nerf and Strike for the Wii apparently is it because he has a Wii just to play Nerf and Strike <laughs> Lewis I feel like I feel like I don't even know you anymore can you explain <laughs> please in the chat what, what what you do with that um he also said which I really like he said um he's talking about the he said that it looks like FIFA 09 on the PSP <laughs> Which is wow. back to our PSP chat. It genuinely does look look that bad. Um, uh, Lewis has responded. Aaron, sorry, I'm taking your I'm taking no, your, go for uh, it. Hosting duties away. Can you? Uh, he says uh, I was 11. The times have changed. I love that. <laughs> I love yeah, that. Yeah, but but that's what that's what not to make this a, a PSP conversation. But seeing like all these blockbuster games come to a portable, I think you know that's what that's the sort of nostalgia we were talking about earlier. That Activision is trying to tap into. It's like all those games that you love, they're you know they're in the palm of your hands. But you know on the technical level, you're probably better off with a Steam Deck as opposed mm -hmm. to a Nintendo Switch currently. Uh, I've not tested Warzone Two on the Steam Deck actually. It'll be interesting to see how that runs. Yeah. I haven't, anyway, I haven't either. I haven't either, to be honest. So uh, yeah, yeah, maybe we just yeah. get on that. Yeah. Um, so touching a little bit more on the Call of Duty angle, there was a big um, data breach at Activision earlier this week, which may have leaked the potential next uh, resurgence map for Warzone 2. So obviously, famously, Nathan, at least famously within the mirror gaming sphere, you and uh, Nathan tried out Ashika Island not too long ago when it launched. I think that was last week, I want to say. Last Wednesday, yep. Last Wednesday. So this question's for you specifically. There's a new map that is supposedly linked going by the code name Saba, and it's expected in May as part of season four, according to this leak. Um, do you think there's any potential that Warzone 2 could reach the heights of the original with a second resurgence map potentially coming? I mean, they've, they've only just launched Ashika Island and, and that's kind of been well received. But Warzone 2 is still struggling. You, you see it in the, the the content that goes out, the content creators are producing the content, the amount of people playing the game, it's still struggling. It has seen a pickup after the resurgence mode has come in, but I think more still needs to be done for it to reach those heights. And I'm not surprised that there's going to be a new map because for the original Warzone, we had a number of, of uh, resurgence maps. You look at... Um, you could be at Rebirth Island, and then we had uh, Fortune's Keep as well. So we've we've already had that kind of experience with the original Warzone. Um, but I feel like Warzone 2, Warzone 2 is just 
playing catch up all the time because it started off the launch was so rough. Um, the fact they didn't launch a resurgence, the fact they didn't launch a um, battle records, sorry, combat records, um, the fact that there were so many different bugs and things, it just feels like they should have waited to launch it until now, to be honest. If they launched it with everything, it would have been a much, much better experience for everyone. And it just feels like they're playing catch-up now. I I hope... I I still really enjoy it, because I'm a massive Call of Duty fan. I love Warzone. I love Resurgence. Um, But it does does feel like it's playing catch-up all the time. And... uh, it's time will tell whether whether it reaches the heights of the original Warzone, but at the moment it's uh, it's not it's not looking great to be honest. Even with all the changes, it, it just feels like it's a bit too late. But I, I'm always, as Matt knows, um, I'm always always a hopeful hopeful person, and I'm always hopeful that it can come back to its former glory. Um, but you know, even amongst my friends group, if you, if you're watching, um, you know who you are. Um, there's, there's not <laughs> that sounds too... like a threat. <laughs> you know who you are. Play Warzone there's... Two with me. <laughs> with the original Warzone, there was that kind of excitement of like, oh, we're playing Warzone this week. With Warzone Two, it just seems like maybe that's got something to do with me rather than the game. But, um, but does that kind of thing oh, is that like everyone still plays it? Like, I think you're guilty of this too. You complain about it nonstop, but you still play it all the time. And I know it's like it's not just down to the game. It's obviously there's like an emotional attachment there. It's like one of the games that you can play with other your friends. But if you guys just like left it alone and went to play something else and everyone else did too, then they'd be forced to fix it because people aren't playing it. That's why they get away with making it so crap. It's because everyone is still playing. <laughs> right? I last played it on the live stream on Wednesday. You've not been that sensitive to go back That was one week ago. Yeah. That was one I week. That wasn't that long ago. Yeah, I mean, Matt <laughs> chimed in in the YouTube channel now. He says it's so, because it's still the only option. Yeah, just yeah. just to give you an example, um, Jasmine. So I'm on playercounter.com, which which isn't it might not be that reliable, mm-hmm. but um, it currently says that there's two two hundred seventy nine thousand players online on on Call of Duty Warzone now. Um, on uh, Fortnite, there's three million players online. Yeah. And on PUBG, the three hundred fifty thousand players. Ooh, oh gosh, that is bad. So there's Even more I know that. players playing playing PUBG than there is Warzone. Modern Warfare Two multiplayer. There's about two thousand players online. That's it. Is that just on yep. PC though, or across all that's, platforms? That's what it, it, it doesn't actually say. To be honest, um, yeah, but even still. Done. It's not good. Yeah. yeah. Maybe should have done a bit more research using this website before I did. But um, <laughs> I just wanted to just give you, I mean, if even if it's anywhere near right, that just kind of shows what what I'm saying is that people have genuinely lost interest in, in this game. Yeah. Before, I mean, let's take a look at Apex Legends. Yeah, 300,000 people. So there's, there's more people playing Apex Legends as well. Um, wherever you look, it's making a bit of a resurgence, though. It's coming back a little hey. bit. See what you did um, there, yeah. Well, yeah, very good. <laughs> very good. Yeah, it is coming um, back though. I think people are starting to get a bit more into Apex Legends. And I think it might be as a result of Warzone being really bad that a lot of yeah. other battle royals are now seeing like people coming back, like PUBG as well. Yeah. So, like, you know, if Warzone isn't really an option, people start to think about, oh my god, do you remember PUBG when we used to play that years ago? And then they mm. go back to it and fall back in love with it. And I think that's yeah. probably what's happening. 
Get I it on having... Nintendo. The player base will go. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. So many millions of Nintendo Switch players. Yeah. Microsoft should look at that. Microsoft should. Yeah. Look at that, Potentially, but I was yeah. talking to because I don't tend to play a lot of multiplayer games, so I won't t- chime on this topic too much. But it was interesting mm-hmm. talking to Matt when this initial story broke about a potential new resurgence map for Warzone Two. Because I remember back in the day, like two thousand seven, playing Call of Duty Four and just had all the modes instantly available to you. And speaking to Matt, apparently Activision seemed to be on a mission to make it as hard and difficult as for people as possible in the sense that there was only one resurgence map available at any one time initially in the original Warzone. Warzone 2 is playing catch up now. And even when you do get like a mode like Ashika Island, you can't play it solo. It has to be quads. And there's there's always these different qualifiers that me from the outside looking in, it's not an attractive proposition if I don't know what I'm going to get every time I load up the game. And I feel like that would be... A, I can't be the only one who that would be frustrating for. So those are my two cents anyway. You need quads to play one of the maps. Yeah. But what if you don't have any people to play with? You have to just fill with strangers or... That's exactly what happened to me last Wednesday. I started a game and forgot to auto-fill my squad and I went in on my own in quads and got instantly destroyed. And then I had to go with three randoms. Um, So the way they do it is every week they have like weekly playlists where they change, Mm. like they change some of the maps, like what you can do on certain maps. So they do solos, duos, trios, quads, for example. When the resurgence mode first launched, it was quads only and it still is quads only. Um, So the the new update, yeah, the new update, I think is due tonight or tomorrow where apparently solos is coming back or all the mode. It feels like, look, there's some, there's some really clever people at Activision. I think. There I don't know. Have you seen reason. who's running the company? Yeah. <laughs> there must be a reason why that I don't understand. There must be a reason why they're doing this, but it just, I, I, Aaron, I completely Maybe agree with you. Force it just people like to get, you have to be like, Oh guys, get on. Everyone has to get on now. Cause we have to play squads or something. I don't know. Does that work commitment. though? Like, are people even going to come? Like... I I, but I don't, why, why not give players the option of playing with their one friend or their two friends? Why do they have to, make them play with with four players i don't i don't understand i don't understand the reasoning for that personally um yeah there must be a clever reason but i just I, I just can't i can't understand and it's it's like when when warzone 2 launched immediately i mean i know people had time to process it and it was it was like announced in time and stuff but they took away the warzone original warzone resurgence maps completely so resurgence hasn't been playable as a mode since like september october time and they've only just brought the resurgence in so to take that option away from players completely um yeah I, I, i'm again i'm sure there's a reason to f- funnel people to the new game and all that kind of stuff but i just don't understand why you just wouldn't like open it for everyone on when you launch a brand new map just open it for everyone um and i know matt's uh i can just see Miffy, Miffy, matt's Miffy, chiming Miffy, off Miffy, in the youtube in the, chat the yeah, yeah, yeah he's yeah, got a lot of thought it's almost like he should be on the podcast to talk about this subject but maybe maybe next week yeah he's on the um, subs bench this week <laughs> he's on the sub spec we've got him for backup um but i will yeah round out the conversation by saying matt's last comment there because i think it is a valid point it's too many different lobbies in it and no one is playing it <laughs> so they probably pick the mode that most people are currently playing on other maps yeah so activision my advice as a non-warzone player would be to make it as accessible as possible and i know you've got other games out there like uh destiny and some other ones that make it really easy you know between 
you know different ranked playlists and stuff which make it easy to jump in for people okay so from one topic that i'm not really that knowledgeable of to a topic that i want to be more knowledgeable of today as well as being an important day uh in in my life it's my it's my birthday i said i won't bring it up but what the hell i just did hey um, happy <laughs> birthday oh no <laughs> one present I, that didn't come through my door it was a playstation vr2 but it did come through the doors of many and one person i know who has been tinkering around with this prestigious piece of hardware is none other than our very own jasmine so jasmine your review went live earlier on the mirror uh the mirror gaming on site earlier today but now we get to prod you for your deeper thoughts. What are your general impressions about PlayStation VR 2 so far? Okay, first I need to say my initial impressions when I got out of the box were really terrible. And I was like, this is bad. This is going to be bad. I I was really disappointed. I was like, oh God, like there's just certain things about the actual physical build of the headset where I was like, this is not going to be comfortable to wear. Like it's got rubber around the like goggles. It's It just doesn't look like it'd fit comfortably in your head so i was really disappointed i sent nathan <laughs> a message i was like nathan look at this i sent him a video of it i was like nathan this looks really bad what am i gonna do i was panicking <laughs> and then same evening got it all set up put it on and genuinely it has been one of the best vr experiences ever and i've been through many a vr headset i have tried out like you know that one where you have to slit your phone in you have to slit your samsung phone into that old like goggle thing i forgot what it's yeah. called originally had one of those that was my first experience with vr i was like wow this is so cool and this was back when vr was like really new i have htc vive pro now i have metaquest 2 now i've got this as well and i've never had a vr experience as good as this to be completely honest with you um i've loved it so much and it's one of those things when you wear glasses is that you feel like you miss out on vr it's not as comfortable for you your glasses get foggy when you're like jumping around playing Beat Saber. So there's just like, there's not really been like a headset I've had where I've finally felt like, okay, those issues have been resolved until I've tried this one, which is really, really good. But for me, it's just, it's still really expensive. You know, it comes in at £529, £529.99. £29, and then you need a PlayStation 5. So if you don't already have one of those, you then have to pick up one of those for about £500. So then what you're spending over a grand, it's not even got any games yet. Wow. Which is really costly for the average consumer, you know. If you already have a PS5, great. You know, you'll have the PS5. You'll probably have a game library where they're going to release free patches and stuff. So you can actually get games re-already. But if you don't, then it's just like not going to be an option for you over like a MetaQuest 2, which is standalone and, and 300 quid, you know. So that's something yeah. that's kind of disappointing me. Can I ask, because obviously I'm a big fan of the MetaQuest uh, 2 headset as well. Mm -hmm. And that made it that made VR really accessible for many, completely yes, wireless. 100%, yeah. De decent quality, uh, a solid amount of what I would dub exclusives. That's the only place where you can still play the first Resident Evil 4 remake, uh, the VR version. Uh, we'll do another one next month. So how does, you say it's the best VR experience you've ever had. What does the PSVR 2 do differently than say the meta quest 2 by comparison i think just because it's more comfortable to wear there's so many different factors with the vr that play into to like what makes the experience good so you have like immersion you have like the actual quality of the um the goggles that you're wearing you have like comfort because obviously if you're not comfortable you can't play for long periods of time and stuff and i think it does all of those so well so like with the comfort 
with my meta quest too it's so front heavy and then i don't actually have the halo add-on thing that you can get for the meta quest too i have tried it and for me it still doesn't really do it but the fabric straps on the meta quest too they don't provide enough support like i feel like my goggles are always sort of sliding down ever so slowly or they just don't feel like they're in the right place and it's just not comfortable compared to this one so like after a while i'll end up being like okay you know what i'm getting a headache from the amount of pressure that i have on the front of my head and then secondly is like the quality even though the resolutions aren't that different i still just feel like the quality on psvr2 like the frame rate is also higher as well so i think it's a combination of both of those things that i just don't feel motion sick i'm really really motion sicky which is like so stupid for someone that loves vr but i i don't i didn't get motion sick when i was playing on psvr2 but when i play on the meta quest 2 i feel motion sick after maybe like 45 minutes and i have to stop i played rec room one time and i had to stop because i literally threw up that's how oh, bad wow. it felt for me yeah yeah but on this i was playing like i was playing horizon and that's obviously like you're moving around a lot you're climbing mountains and stuff i feel like that's like the gateway to literally feeling the most motion sick but i didn't feel it at all and it was great wow can do you I think just... that's yeah go oh, for it sorry. nathan sorry can i just no, ask because i'm really interested because mm -hmm. I, I i've already used the metaquest too and for me it's great for short periods of time mm -hmm. like you said but the quality, the resolution, the just the, the overall picture isn't enough, isn't crisp enough, isn't vivid enough for that immersion. Mm -hmm. How much of an upgrade is the OLED display technology over the, the normal technology? I think that definitely contributes. The OLED display, just the colours being brighter and then the blacks being darker makes such a big difference. And I think one thing that really makes a difference as well is that because it's got eye tracking inside psvr2 it tells you when you know like you can adjust the lenses on the inside it yeah. tells you when they're at the right distance and that's something i struggle with with the meta quest is that sometimes i just constantly am pulling them backwards and forwards because i don't know where i'm meant to have them but with the eye tracking it tells you when it's perfect and that i feel like is going to contribute more as well that's but cool. yeah back back to the oled part like honestly perfect like you know when the MetaQuest 2 goes dark, when you're, it's meant to be replicating you sort of like having your eyes closed or something, it doesn't feel like your eyes are closed. It feels like you're looking at two black screens. Whereas with this, it goes so dark inside there that it feels like your eyes are closed and you can see like nothingness as opposed to blackness, That's which cool. I think like is actually sick, right? Like yeah, it's yeah. really, really good. So I think that contributes so much to that sort yeah. of like real world feeling. And it, it, there's a bump in the resolution as well, isn't there, in terms of the resolution per eye? Yeah, there's a the small Meta bump. Massive. Yeah, there's oh. a small bump. It's not massive. <laughs> I, 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 I thought it was. Arrow's no, not massive not. and massive. is small. And it... <laughs> no, no, no. It's <laughs> massive compared to PSVR 1, but it's That's only what... a small yeah. resolution increase right, from okay. the MetaQuest 2. Okay. That's Because I did own a PlayStation VR 1. I still have a PlayStation mm -hmm. VR 1, and I don't have fond memories of getting it out of the box and about... 10 cables being labeled one to 10 mm -hmm. to try and just hook the thing up. And there was a funny meme going around the internet, I think what well, would have been today of like, you know, how to set up PSVR one versus how to set up PSVR two, which I believe is just a single cable, right? Like it's it is. Yeah. It's just one cable. Yeah. Yeah. Cause well, I know I a mean, lot of people were sorry, worried about the cable. No, go for it, Nathan. No, I, I read, cause I, I, obviously I've read your review, Jasmine on, on mirror mm -hmm. gaming, um, 
uh, which was great, by the way. If you haven't read it, go go and check it out. Um, it's it's live on Mirror Gaming now with the video review to come soon. Um, but one thing I was really interested in is that you talked about, and I can't, I've really felt you when I was when I was uh, reading this. But you said that how can you full, can you ever be fully immersed when you're potentially just a fast movement away from tugging your console off the shelf mm-hmm. because it's connected. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, how long is the USB-C cable? Is it long it is enough? It's very long. It's it very is. long, I will say. But I feel like the issue with a cable being so long is that there's more slack on the floor to yeah. trip over. And I have cats in my house. When I'm playing VR, it's already like a... I'm a nervous wreck that they're going to come and... They always <laughs> come and stand in my feet and then I can, I can feel them there and I'm like, oh my God, I'm panicking. So now when there's another cable in the way as well, it's like, okay... I have to worry about cats and a cable and then the cats and the cable and then so many different things. And yeah. it's just like, I feel like you have that sort of underlying sense of anxiety that, okay, something's going to go wrong. That kind of takes away from the experience of it. Yeah. And I think realistically, because the cable isn't like locked into the PS5, you're more likely to pull the cable out before you pull the console off of wherever it's sitting, which is kind of like you know a little bit of a relief but it's still you still always have that feeling of oh my god right now i can move like that and then the whole ps5 will come with me and for me as we all know it's not even my ps5 it's matt's ps5 so if i break it it's a whole nother level of issues matt needs that ps5 to finally play the last of us after he's finished watching the series so yeah he's out on pc soon so no you won't need no i'll just keep it it's fine yeah Yeah, sorry matt (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah sorry Matt but for, for me that doesn't sound like too big of a deal because I would be like playing Formula 1 so I'd be like sitting in a rig yeah with the cable yeah. and everything so I, I would know that it's not for, but I can imagine like if you're playing Beat Saber or something yeah. where you're Beat having like, you're doing those movements yeah, yeah. Mm. If, if, if the cable if someone like moved the cable or it was it was caught on something or you, there was any sort of tension there would it would it pull out? I don't know if you've tested this, and I'd probably recommend against it. But would the cable come out before the console? Because do you know like the MagSafe on uh, yeah. Ma- um, MacBook Pros or yeah. MacBooks? Yeah. If you like pull it, it comes out, and then the la- yeah. the laptop doesn't. Is it like that, or is it? No, is, it's a it... regular USB C cable with a regular okay. USB C port on the console. So would the USB C um, cable come out, or the I did play, test the it. I will say, yeah. and I don't want Matt to get scared right now. I tested <laughs> you it. You say this. No, no, no. I tested it in such a way where I literally like I put my hand right in front of the console, and then I had the cable plugged in, and I pulled it just to see if the console would move yeah. to hit my hand. There was no yeah. way for it to fall down, but I wanted right, to okay. make sure that I tested it. Before the console even moved a little bit, the cable came flying out. Okay. So That's good to hear. the cable That's came good. out first. I think that is normally the case with USB-C because it's like the, the way that that port is designed. Yeah. The cable came out before the console moved anywhere. Obviously, the console is also quite heavy, so it kept it quite grounded. But um, I feel like that's still an issue. Like... If you, maybe if you're at an angle or something and you pull the cable, like it yeah. might not come out as easily as when I pulled it in a straight line. You know, yeah. like there's yeah. always things that you're going to be concerned about with with being connected to a console when you're playing VR. Mm. Um, it also well, just kind of ruins the immersion. Like I had a cable, like it comes out of the back sort of here, and you can either choose to have it go behind your shoulder, in front of your shoulder, but it sits in such a way that it, as if it's meant to go through your shoulder, and I think that's just because of the size of my head, like. It doesn't feel comfortable either behind or in front for me. 
So I feel like if you had a smaller head, it'd be perfect because it could go right in front and you'd be fine. If you had a bigger <laughs> head, it'd be fine because it could go behind. But for me, it was just that sweet spot in between where it was just really annoying. You've grown up with everything wireless though, haven't you? You haven't yes, I experienced have, yeah. you, You're yeah. that young that everything's wireless. I mean, me, me and Aaron could remember the, the good old days with, you know, iPod, iPod Nano, yeah. iPod Mini, you know, having the, having the wires, like Sony Walkman, you know, that, that Th- kind of Yeah, era. I didn't have a... Wa- I had an iPod, but not a Walkman. 3.5mm <laughs> really jack inputs, okay? That's where it was I, at. I had an That's iPod. I had yeah. the little iPod, um, the iPod Shuffle with no screen yeah. and stuff on it. Yeah. Uh, but that was still kind of like, you know, headphones, having headphones plugged in, that's not like the same as while you're playing VR in another yeah. reality yeah. you're like tugging cables. <laughs> iPod shuffles like this big compared to like a PS5, which yeah. is quite yeah, literally exactly. the size of the Burj Khalifa yeah. in Dubai or something. Yeah. On yeah. the note of, of audio though, the PSVR 2 doesn't have any speakers. I remember you telling me about this. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't Do you want to go more speakers, into that? Which is really bizarre to me because yeah. I feel like for 530 quid, you should get inbuilt speakers. The MetaQuest 2 has inbuilt speakers. It doesn't make sense so you need to plug in headphones and it comes with stereo headphones included but they are really uncomfortable i'm just not a fan of kind of like bud like you know the rubber buds that you get Earbuds, on earphones yeah, yeah. Mm. i'm not a fan of those they came with different like size options and i tried them all and for some reason they just never fit in my ear um weirdly enough i've got like loads of piercings in one of my ears and it's not even that ear that feels uncomfortable it's the other one that has no piercings in it so <laughs> you're off balance no one say that that's the reason why because it's not um can you can you plug any headphones in or does it have to be is you it can just plug got... any it's got a 3.5 millimeter jack so you yeah. can plug any headphones in okay. but the way that the headband sits on your head it can't be a headset it has to of be course, earphones, yeah. like of wide course. earphones that would like dangle down and then yeah, yeah, like yeah. go into And it's it not is. got Bluetooth. You can't connect to no. Bluetooth headset, no. really. It's only wired. It's really disappointing, <laughs> right? <laughs> I feel like this conversation yeah. is Nathan, oh, I might buy one. And then as the minutes pass, Nathan's just slowly becoming more and more disheartened. It's just, it's just I'm just trying to understand like what you can do with it because. I, th- I think we we worked together, didn't we, on the piece, like in terms of the headlines of what we were titling mm-hmm. it. And I think we ultimately came to the conclusion that it's great, but you'll have to compromise on certain things. Yeah. Like the, the yeah. feet, you're com- there's a compromise on features, there's performance over features, basically. And mm-hmm. I think that's what mm-hmm. you'll just have to. And I think we're still. I mean, we talked about VR, didn't we, a couple of weeks ago, Aaron? Um, where we talked about. I mean, it was just kind of three three guys just moaning about vr technology which um, i'm sure jasmine would have loved to listen to because you're you love vr but i think we talked about the fact that vr is not quite there in terms of like having the whole package uh and i think this is a step closer but i still feel like it i don't, I don't know what you think philip jasmine but the fact that you can't have like that immersion of having the the headset and having the audio and um uh, the wire in there there's there's always things that aren't quite perfect with a vr headset maybe we'll just have to mm-hmm. get used to that for the time being so what i will say is that i haven't tested it out myself jasmine might have but isn't it true that with the quest 2 you can through steam link you can play like you can stream it directly from your gaming pc or gaming laptop yes, uh, directly you to your can. headset yeah, you can. Yeah. i don't know what the delay's like but in terms of like pl- playing if you want a totally wireless free half-life alex-esque quality experience like that's probably still your best bet yes. uh, and a more affordable yeah. option providing you've already invested yeah. in a gaming pc yeah. but um although i will say i've used steam link with a meta quest 2 mm. um to play f122 and the because of how fast that game is it's a it's a very unique game in terms of how the speeds you're going and and you know all that kind of stuff 
but it doesn't work that great the the best experience like if you you putting a cable in and having that data transfer to come through it it makes it a much better experience and i think i think um there's other options i was gonna say first of all for for a racing game where you're sat stationary having a cable isn't too big of a deal anyway yeah exactly Mm -hmm. yeah but um i don't use steam link i use virtual desktop which is like um a third party software you buy it on steam and then you get it on your headset um and then it links through that and that for me like because when i use steam link and um even when i use an oculus link cable like i find that there's a little bit of a like delay yeah so then i invested in virtual desktop and there's no delay i can play any game and i never get any issues even like faster games and stuff Ooh. and it's what's and it it's called i'm gonna virtual, write this down virtual desktop virtual desktop. i thought that's what that. everyone used because it was i have heard of, like, of it before the best option yeah yeah, and you oh, can that, like Sarah, use your... for telling me. You, you know. <laughs> what can I say? Yeah, I'm not in the know. You can I use like, in, like your an... computer on on it, so you can just like ah, sit and you, okay. use your whole like computer to like right, browse okay, the internet okay. or something if you want. I yeah. don't know, like if that's what you uh, get up to in VR. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I invested a uh, in an active USB cable um, just for mm-hmm. the like the best quality because I just wanted that kind of clearness, and even mm-hmm. even that just wasn't wasn't yeah. quite there with it because yeah. of the MetaQuest 2 and the the compromises you get with that so um yeah I haven't got a PlayStation 5 I haven't got a play PSVR 2 so I'd have to spend over a thousand pounds to to try it out so maybe yeah maybe I'll uh I'll, I'll have to wait for that for that option um, put it put the it on the back burner yeah I mean do, obviously I want to ask Jasmine a little bit about the games because we've talked sorry, a lot about the hardware sorry, that's so far that's, that's all right Nathan just don't do it again yeah okay please <laughs> Um, no, because obviously you're a big racing fan, Nathan. I don't know, Jasmine, if you've had a chance to try uh, Gran Turismo out uh, in the PSVR 2 no, headset. No, I haven't. I actually haven't. I only got the code for it this morning. And obviously, like, ah. I've been working all day. But I am probably going to try it tomorrow well, evening. The, and well, I then let me hear you. Nice. Let me hear your thoughts about Horizon Call of the Mountain then, which is the big Sony first party exclusive that they're trying to sell this thing on. Yeah. D- does it deliver? I definitely think it does. I went into it, like, I'm going to be completely honest, I had no idea what the game was, no, like, I hadn't watched anything on it, I was just kind of like, okay, I need to test this headset, this is the game that I got with the headset to test it on, I'll play it. And I had no idea that it was even this massive, like, blockbuster title. And as soon as it opened, I was like, oh my god, like, I'm in, like, heaven right now. (laughs) It's so gorgeous. And, like... It's in a little bit more of a cartoony style, so you're obviously never going to feel like you're actually like really there. And there's like you know these giant metal birds flying around, but I feel like it was as close as it could possibly be to feeling real as it could be, considering what style of game it was. And um, the headset has like vibrations on it, so like when there's these giant birds flying around or like these like little dinosaur-looking creatures sneaking up on you you can feel it before you can like hear or see it which is like obviously that's like if you're really there that's what would happen right yeah. if you're hearing these massive creatures stomping miles and miles away you'd feel the ground shake before you'd you'd see them which is like insane and like the climbing mechanics on it were really really good like they just worked really well with the controls and stuff like all of the mechanics on it, I think, were really good. Like, and you know, sometimes when it tells you, like, oh yeah, put something behind your back to like holster your weapon or something, and then it's yeah. like really finicky, and you're sat there like, like shoving in loads of times, like you're scratching your back or something. 
like and it just doesn't go in but like weapon holstering was really easy you could just flick behind to grab bows grab your grab your arrows and stuff and it was like really really simple and um aiming is another thing that's weird on vr right like you have to try and figure it out from a whole new like reality but i found it really simple to to get the gist of really so honestly it's one of my favorite games now i've only done like a little bit of it i haven't finished the whole game because it's really long obviously but i think definitely within the next few weeks i probably will because of how good it is yeah, that's fair enough. I, I you raise a good point actually, because that might be a big differentiator between the PSVR two and um, uh, other headsets. Is the haptic feedback on the on the headset itself? Mm -hmm. And I'd be interested to see like with with games like Beat Saber, for example, that are getting. I, I can't remember if it's a free update for Beat Saber or if it has to be paid for on the PSVR two. But obviously, previous versions of that game exist, and I'm hoping that the VR developers, because they're so niche and specific anyway, that they'll be able to take advantage of the haptic feedback on the headset, which would be the opposite of what we've seen from the DualSense haptic feedback so far, which mm -hmm. at the gate with those launch games, at first it was like really, really good, but then it quickly tailed off. Um, so hopefully haptic feedback on the headset would be here to stay. Yeah, yeah I'm trying to think I what mean, other games... The whole point of like VR is immersion, so I really do hope they take advantage of it. But like, when you say Beat Saber, I want I want to know what you meant by this. What other haptic feedback would you expect on the headset for Beat Saber? On the on the controllers, it makes sense. Yeah. On the headset. Have you never crashed your head into like one of the tiles, like by accident, or you know, there's sometimes where you have to like dip and dive between yeah. the different things. Maybe oh, if you yeah, collide a little bit, you get a little yeah. fuzz. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> and then, wouldn't you want the like bass to come through as well with the music? Well, you'd yeah, want possibly. the bass to shake your head. Yeah. <laughs> Me and Nathan okay. haven't felt what this feels like. We don't know how intense <laughs> it is. It's like... intense, it is. Okay, right, okay. It's okay. quite intense. It's just you were... like a little buzz. It's like, it's like a... You were zzz, describing all these like... subtle motions, like, oh, a little bird flies over and stuff. And no, like, no, no, oh, a, big, a big storm bird I'm talking about. Okay, it's like the okay. size of a blue whale in the sky. <laughs> I'm not talking a little bird. I'm talking <laughs> a big you... one. Okay, so if you imagine Beat Saber's real, right? That That's yeah. basically the, that's like the equivalent of you going into, like, you know, you're at a club. Uh, and they're playing loud mm. music. That's the equivalent of you standing by the subwoofer and the speakers, basically. Yeah. So your head yeah. would vibrate slightly if it was okay, like realistic. Fair. Yeah, but but is that um, what you'd want in that experience? Me personally, I I want to go to bed and have a cup of tea and a hot chocolate at like yeah. nine o'clock at night. I don't think there's a VR game clubbing. for that. But but, yeah. <laughs> but for if I'm choosing to play that game, I, at least I want it to feel like you know immersion and stuff. Okay. Um, but yeah, can you adjust that or is it just set? Yeah, they're like intensities for it and stuff. Can you Intensity switch off completely? I, yeah. Not that I could find any. I don't okay. think there are. I think there's just an on and off. Like, you can turn okay. it off, like, if you don't want it at all. Uh, but okay. I think, like, the intensity level is kind of set by the developers when they're, like, making games of how intense they want it. So I think maybe that's why you can't change it. Mm. But, yeah, I, I, I couldn't find it. Surely, with it'd be interesting with Gran Turismo Seven, Nathan. Like, if the because obviously you're if you're going to be in a vehicle with your head against the you know your rig, I think you called it earlier. That shows yeah, how yeah, little yeah, I know about yeah, racing games. Yeah. I wonder if the haptic feedback will. Uh, this information exists out there somewhere. This is pure speculation, but yeah, it'd be interested to see how it yeah, comes can in. Can you handy. imagine your car like when you sort of go off track? You can already feel your oh. controller shaking. Can you imagine your head shaking like that? It'd be a really <laughs> bad experience. Well, I think it depends if you're if you're if you're like racing like single seater cars. They're not built to make you comfortable. That's like true. a Formula That's One true. car. They're, yeah. they're just purely built for speed, so you do yeah. shake. I don't know if you've ever been go karting at all. Yeah. yeah. Um. But I mean, like, 
I, I just uh, from go kart, and I just remember like that strap on your head, head on your it just keeps like rubbing because he's just bouncing all the time. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if that's a pleasant experience, but at least it'd be realistic. I don't I don't know, but I'll have to we'll have to try it out at some point. I have had PS- a racing rig. Sorry to cut you off. I no, just right. on the topic of racing. I have had a racing rig, and um, it was the wait. Let me check up there. I don't want to say the wrong one. The G29 racing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I use it to play Forza because I really liked Forza. This one. Um, I can't see you. Producer <laughs> will. Yes, will. yes that's the one. Yeah. yeah. Um, and obviously it's got like really, really intense like force feedback on oh, it. Oh, true force. Yeah. I and hate my, that. My desk is like this thin, right? Yeah. Strap yep. it onto my desk. The whole desk is shaking, and like it's just giving yeah. me trauma. So I feel like I wouldn't want to play. Gran Turismo 7 with the haptic feedback on the headset. So as soon as my head starts shaking, it's going to give me that trauma that the house is falling down. So yeah, the the, tr- the true force is just, uh, believe it or not, I think, don't get me wrong, don't take, I, I think what it is, is basically <laughs> like the sound of the game, depending on what surface you're driving on, that mm-hmm. sound gets amplified into like a vibration energy and that's what mm-hmm. comes through. Because if you actually listen to the, the wheel as you're driving, you can hear the the sound of the game as well through the vibration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So personally, I don't like that true force element. I like it to be like, you know, as realistic as possible. It, I feel like it's a bit of an enhancer. But yeah, if you had that kind of true force coming through your head, I'm up, I'm out. So yeah, I'll yeah, start, I'll turn so that's that what off. I'm saying. It's yeah. scary, right? Yeah, I feel like there's a, there is such a thing as like too immersed, maybe. Yeah, yeah. You, you might imagine... never come out again if it's too immersive <laughs> as well. So. Yeah. But imagine if you're playing like The Last of Us on there, and a clicker just grabs your head, oh. and it just shakes oh, your head. Imagine no. that. That's a new level of immersion, isn't it? No. Well, speaking of first-person horror experiences, I think Resident Evil Village will be getting. Uh, an update uh, relatively soon so jasmine we want your thoughts immediate thoughts on that as soon as that update immediate uh, lands, please yeah i'm gonna install the update and then yeah. straight away tell you what i think <laughs> yeah we're gonna do an impromptu uh, mirror walkthrough uh emergency <laughs> jasmine's thoughts on resident <laughs> evil village because yeah because resident evil 7 of course that was one of the P- it, it was an exclusive to the original psvr for uh, the longest time mm. And uh, it's way, way too traumatic for me. I'm but really I bad with horror, though. I don't actually know if I could play it because I can't even do horror on a PC. And I feel like on VR, it's just like a whole new level of freaking yourself out. For, for what reason? Like, I just... <laughs> for I what don't, I, I don't know why people <laughs> find horror games fun. I don't get what the appeal is behind I'm... them. They're so scary. <laughs> I'm I'm fully behind you, Jasmine. I don't know why you would subject yourself to it, and I know yeah. I know there's some there's some titles that kind of have a mix, and and it's a good experience. But I, I'm the I'm in the same boat. The only horror game I played is Outlast, and literally I can open up my Steam right now and show you. It's 20 minutes of playtime, and that was it. <laughs> I never touched it again. I went to, just as well just while we're on PSVR two. I know we've covered quite a lot on this topic, and it's basically mm-hmm. Jasmine's question time. But I've got one more, please. <laughs> yeah, if that's go for okay. It. You talked about how you get travel sickness. Yes. Oh, sorry, motion sickness. Or, I do I don't get know travel sickness too. Yes, okay, yeah. so it's kind of linked. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Um, and you said that you didn't suffer as much with the PSVR yeah. 2. Is that is that just the image quality or do you think it's the comfort or what, do you think there's some kind of inbuilt anti-motion sickness stuff in there? I, or? I genuinely think it's all of it. I don't know about built-in anti-motion sickness because I don't really know. Like, I feel like if that was there, they'd probably promote it a bit more and I haven't really seen anything about that. And um, I don't know what it would be for them to build something like that in. But I think like a combination of 
the picture quality being better, having OLED displays so that the colors are more true, having like a higher refresh rate on the screens. Like I think it all plays a part in it. And um, another thing to consider is that obviously because it's not standalone, you you're using the hardware of the PS5 to render the games, which automatically means you're probably going to get better quality games as opposed to the Meta Quest 2, which runs the games on its own processors and stuff. So even the games themselves can be outputted at those higher levels to meet the expectations of the hardware. Um, so I think a combination of all of those factors made it, and the comfort as well, like, you know, when you're not dealing with like headaches or eye strain or like having to constantly like move around the headset and stuff, it, it helps with, with motion sickness a lot. And I couldn't tell you exactly what it was that resulted in me not being motion sick. I just wasn't motion sick. And I'm a really motion sick person. I get like car sick sometimes, like really badly. I have to like stop the journey. I'll be like, to my partner, stop quick, pull over. I'm going to be sick. <laughs> I'm never actually sick, but it's just that feeling of nausea that I can't stand. Yeah. As I said earlier, I threw up when I played Rec Room. Like I am a really motion sick and I, I just never thought I'd be able to play VR the way I have been able to with PSVR 2. I thought I was That's always huge, just going to have to take it? breaks. Yeah. 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 They should be That's talking huge. about that more. For sure, yeah. because I know that just puts a lot of people off. And But I think it's like, just because yeah. it's different from person to person. There's no way yeah. that they can guarantee that loads of people are not going to feel motion sickness. I think maybe just for me it did, but it's not going to be like that for everyone. So I don't want to put it out there and be like, yeah, you're never going to be motion sick again, because that's just my experience. And motion sickness is like a really... Yeah. weird thing like from person to person isn't and people it? Like, people don't know how like debilitating it is as well like if you have bad. motion sickness yeah. like i mm. i never like i used to have friends at school who had like travel sickness motion sickness like you like you, they couldn't read in a car or they like, mm-hmm. couldn't do certain things and i didn't really understand until i went on a ferry from plymouth to santander <laughs> like an overnight ferry yeah I can't get on a boat. I can't rough. get on any boat. Any that size, any shape, yeah. any boat. I just can't do it. I've been that was so really many, rough. It's always bad. Yeah, because yeah, it wasn't a cruise ship. It was a ferry. Yeah. So it was a small, yeah. you know, and the amount of movement and you don't feel mm-hmm. like you just, I couldn't concentrate on anything else. Yeah. Because my whole body was, just, so I can't even imagine the amount of people that feel that when they're playing VR. If yeah. the PSVR 2 somehow has something whether it like you said it's a resolution the comfort the headset the clarity mm-hmm. of it whether it's a mixture of everything if that can help people with motion sickness play vr that's that's huge because yeah that puts a lot of people on playing vr and having that kind of headache that associated with that as well mm-hmm. so, um, i'm uh, just going to jump in here because i've got a very unusual update obviously the psvr2 launched today and yeah. my brother was fortunate enough to get one and he's just sent me this very text unscripted having fun on resi 8 vr mate so it is out today for those who are wondering. Had to sit down after an hour. My back started to hurt. So there, <laughs> there's that. I, I don't know whether or not a zombie creeped up behind him or if he's just got bad posture, but there it is. But that's the thing is that like after an hour of playing, it was his back that started hurting before his yeah. head, which is insane yeah. to me. That's yeah. like the same thing with me. It was my ears that started hurting from the earbuds before my head and like stomach or eyes or anything started hurting when playing ps yeah. 2 That's crazy. Yeah, I think yeah. it's... It's, it is probably the unspoken problem that VR, I want to say needs to solve, but it's not almost, it's almost like an impossible challenge because mm-hmm. no regular person should be stood up doing one thing for an hour anyway. And yet with traditional console gaming, we're so used to plonking ourselves and, you know, extended play sessions. Don't um, footballers think, run around for 90 minutes? 
well, 90 minutes, but they're trained athletes, uh, Nathan. <laughs> you know, we're talking about, you know, people like me and you, average Joes. I've but, waited um, in the yeah. queue for an hour. Standard. Yeah, I but feel did like I've waited in a queue for a way longer than an hour. I mean, it probably would nowadays. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Um, I think the longest I've ever been in like a PSVR session it was like Astrobot, the original one, because that was so immersive, and obviously you could play it sat down. That's the only game I could ever liken to like a true like proper yep. console game type thing. Yeah. But yeah, I want to try and I'm trying to explain this to people who don't maybe have never tried a VR headset or like don't know what we're talking about as well because. Um, if you've ever have you ever tried on a really bad set of headphones that gives you a headache because of the yeah. fit? Yeah. yeah. It's like yeah, they, that. The it's like that, that isn't it? Today. Oh, they make your yeah. ears ache like the worst headphones, right? Yeah. And they just like, I get, squeeze I get your head. like a point of yeah. pressure like right on top of my head where yeah. the headband sits that just really starts to hurt. And then I feel yeah. like if I keep them on while I get that pain, it slowly starts spreading across my whole head. Yeah, that's, that's the VR's only thing. Like. Yeah, that's the only thing I can think that compares to a, a, a VR headset that not quite it's not quite fitted properly. And then you've got mm -hmm. the movement of the game as well, and it just kind of adds everything to it. And you're just like, nah. I feel like oh. even when you do get the fit right, like with my MetaQuest Two, I'll put it on and I'll get the fit right to begin with. But because you're moving so much. It just starts sliding and moving sliding, and yeah, shifting, absolutely. and then it's yeah. not comfortable after like 10 odd minutes. That's the thing with this headset, is that it stays so perfectly in position no matter how much I move. I don't know how yeah. it does it, because it doesn't feel really tight or anything. It just stays perfect. Have you and got then, it there? Yeah, I have it. It's right on her desk, yeah, because oh, she's it? showing off. How do you... Oh, look at that. <laughs> look at that. So that. Is, it the, is it the back that's adjustable? So you put it on it's and then both. you tighten it at the both. back? Oh really? Both okay. Adjustable. Oh, because so, it was the back only this is for the, the original. Yeah. You can pull the yeah. goggles. So then you ah. pull the goggles forward. It like gives you a tutorial on how to put it on when you first put it on. You pull the goggles nice. forward, and then you put it on your head. I can't do it with a headset on. And then once it's on your head, you can use this to like adjust the the band and stuff. Ah. Okay. So the pressure then, of the actual headband as well. That's good. Yeah. So then you push the goggles back into place. You'll tighten the headband, and if the headband's like not tight enough, you can like spin this dial. Yeah. To get it like right, perfect, and that's like all of the pressure is around this circle here. You don't feel anything here. This just sits very like. Like just ever so slightly touches your skin like it doesn't like put pressure on you all of the pressure is in this headband and it carries the weight of the whole thing which means it's like really evenly balanced as opposed to the MetaQuest 2 where it's front heavy which is what I spoke about in my review there you go read Absolutely. that That's on really the mirror gaming yeah you can catch Absolutely. that now for Jasmine's full full thoughts but here's what I want from from the from the viewers uh, this week I want if you bought a PSVR 2 come back Go on your PSVR, put it on, download the YouTube app and watch the Mirror Gaming in VR. It'll be an absolute <laughs> treat. And you yeah. can see us, you know, it'll be as if we're almost really there uh, for you. Whoa. Um, there you there's, there's Nathan's VR impression. Look at me. Amazing. But I just want to round off this conversation with uh, a perfect question that uh, Adam in the YouTube chat has, has posited. Does it have a Skyrim remake included? I don't think PSVR 2 is confirmed to have Skyrim on it. But no. don't put it past Bethesda. I don't think so. Yeah. That I know it came amazing, to the original yeah. PSVR. Yeah. But yeah, this is the thing. That it doesn't come with any games included. When you get the the headset, you don't get you can get a bundle to get um Horizon Call of the Mountains. But if you just buy the headset, there's no games included unless you have a PS5 with like games on it already, then you can get the free like patches. But that for me is kind of like I don't know. Yeah. I feel like with, And PSVR um, one games don't work. No. 
they they the might release patches. Yeah, they right, might re okay. release patches in the future. But as of right now, no, like there's no guarantee that that any of them so, will work. So I was writing um, an article on this today, but I believe the current in, in terms of the launch window, not terms of launch day, but this is like early, up until end of early March type thing. Um, 49 games, I believe, is the total count yeah. of playable. But that includes like free patches, new games outright and ports from other systems and stuff. So, yeah, PSVR 2, very obviously, it's certainly just released today in its uh, heydays. Is it going to take off? Time will tell. But I think, you know at least it's a comfortable thing to wear we just need the video game support on it uh and that's where it's true starfield and vr <laughs> oh gosh yeah. xbox if saw... you want to help gamers <laughs> yeah i just yeah. saw um yeah. no man's sky the vr yes. teaser for it so i think starfield on vr would look probably like a billion times better than that so come on you're gonna come take that xbox. nathan Ooh, I, 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 am I a No Man's Sky developer? Yeah, yeah. It's okay. So, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I just okay. remember you were being particularly hyped about how good uh, No Man's Sky was looking on the PSVR two and that brief trailer shown. So. Oh right, okay, yeah. No, it it does look it does look really good. I was just I knew full well that that was coming for free rather than you know Starfield not coming. Um, mm -hmm. When does Microsoft do a VR headset? That's what that's what I want to know. That's it. Weren't they doing like surface stuff and like augmented reality rather than like yeah. virtual reality? Yeah, yeah so. they are. I think yeah. they're more competing with like Apple's AR headset, which is coming soon, rather than focusing on gaming VR because they care so much about gamers, guys. Don't worry, it's fine. <laughs> can we make that a long-running joke? Xbox cares about gamers. Yeah, they do. Yeah. What do you I mean? That's can... not a joke. I just, I just want to make sure that you cannot use the PSVR two with the PC. It doesn't it doesn't work. No, no. Have you no. tried it? I haven't, but I can probably guarantee you it's not going to work. Ah, because that could could, could you could you not right use now? it live on the show? Could you not just use it like? <laughs> To access your browser and stuff, you might not be able to. Like... Do you remember when you were talking about the DualSense Edge? It doesn't really work on PC, but it does though. Yeah. Is this sort of the same thing, or is it just? I a, doubt like... it's going to be like that. Did the PSVR One work on PC? I don't believe so. No. I don't. Think no. So. I, could, I might be wrong about that, but I'm sure like the sure the modding scene. After this show, I'll plug it in and I'll just see what happens. Okay. See if what it happens. Blows it. my PC, then so be it, right? Because Nathan needs to know the answer <laughs> to this question. Well, on that bombshell, on that little tease, does a PSVR <laughs> two work with a PC? You'll have to tune in next week to find out. Obviously, um, we've not had a chance. We usually discuss uh, our weekly thoughts on the Last of Us TV show. Um, unfortunately. Not had enough time to do that, but we'll do a back-to-back -back double feature, double digest of uh, episode six and seven next week for sure, because we are very much still enjoying that show. But this has been uh, the Mirror Gaming walkthrough for this week. Jasmine, I want to thank you for being here. Um, don't be away too long again. Thank you for having me, and hopefully I'll be back next week or the week after, soon enough. Well, we need an answer to that question, obviously. And Nathan, <laughs> <laughs> thanks again for joining me on the show as well, mate. Thank you. And thanks for hosting our spectacular debut. Um, congratulations on that. And uh, happy birthday again. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> what better birthday present? I didn't say it. Happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> what better birthday present could I have than hosting a live show for an hour and a half? No exactly. pressure, everyone. But yeah, went well. <laughs> See you next week, guys, for another edition of the Mirror Gaming walkthrough. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.